The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk New York. My name is Mike Trez, along with Mike Godone. We're with you for the next hour here on WGBB, 1240 a.m. and 95.9 on your FM dial, 516-623-1240, 516-623-1240. That is the phone number to get in the ring and take a swing with us tonight. We'll hear from Mike Westhoff, former special teams coach of the Jets, who's got a new book out. He'll join us in just a couple minutes. We'll talk some hockey later on in the show with Johnny Sticks, John Santa Maria. We'll also have Chris Caputo joining us on some baseball. But before we do any of that, let me say hi to my co-host, the man we call the coach, Mike Adone. Mike Trezor, great to be back. You know, such a wonderful uh, place we are, WGBB, here in the studios tonight. Uh, nothing more that we like doing on, on a Sunday night than talking some baseball, some Jets football. Uh, just an, another great outlet uh, to bring our talk show to Long Island, and, and can't wait to get started. Yeah, so uh, I think I fumbled the um, social media. Where are we on social media, Mike? Well, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at WGBB Sports Talk. WGBBSportsTalk.com and WGBB Sports Talk, Sports Talk New York, iTunes, Spotify, and basically any place you can find a podcast. So we're going to give you a heavy dose of Jets tonight. We're going to try to squeeze in some Giants. Uh, we are going to take some phone calls. As I mentioned, we're going to spend just a few minutes on the Islanders. We'll talk some Mets and hopefully not for me, Mike, uh, hopefully not too much Yankee talk. but we'll, we'll be nice tonight, Mike. We'll give you a break. <laughs> uh, I got my Krabby Guy t-shirt on. I am Krabby, man. I'm telling you right now, the Yankees are ticking me off. Everything about that game today absolutely ticked me off. And uh, But we'll, we'll get into that a little well, bit later on. Can, can completely understand that when you're talking about having made a trade with St. Louis and then it kind of comes back to get you. But, you know, from the Mets' point of view, we're very excited having uh, – you know, four out of five couldn't have asked for much better than that. So we're we're in good shape. But certainly now with with the calendar beginning to turn almost to September, and with football training camps coming open, with the wonderful coach Mike Westhoff uh, just about to join us, very excited to bring him on. Yeah, Mike Westhoff, coach special teams with the Jets for. 12, 15 years, also coached special teams for the Dolphins, for the Colts, Mike. He's got a new book out. It's called Figure It Out, something a lot of people need to do. My 32-year journey while revolutionizing pro football special teams. He joins us now, Mike Westoff. Hey, Mike, it's Mike Trezor and Mike Godone. How are you? <laughs> we got all the mics on at one time. That's, that's pretty cool. Well, well, I'm we, doing great, guys. I'm doing fine. Thank you. We we certainly appreciate you, Coach, joining us. This is Mike Udone, and uh, you know, Mike Trezor will, Mike Number One will be with you here in just a second. But it's certainly it's a privilege to have you on this time of year, um, and we thank you for joining us. No, I'm happy to do it. Happy. 
Uh, you know, Mike, uh, a lot of people are very, very excited about the Jets this year. There really hasn't been this kind of excitement around the team since probably the late 2000s, since you were the special teams coach under Rex Ryan. I mean, you guys made two very deep playoff uh, runs in a row in 09 and 2010, got to the AFC Championship. What are some of the memories that you can share with us about uh, some of those playoff games in after the 09 and 2010 season? Uh, you were, we were just, I mean, that was, that was a special time. Uh, we were a good football team. We weren't, you know, we, we didn't have the, uh, the marquee quarterback. You know, we, we weren't Tom Brady. But Mark Sanchez did a very manageable job for our football team. He did a nice job with us. But we were, we were just a good team. And we weren't the sexiest team, uh, but we were tough. And we led the league in rushing. You know, we don't forget, look at our offensive line that we had. You know, you're looking at, uh, you know, Alan Fanica, who's in the Hall of Fame, and DeBrickashaw Ferguson and Nick Mangle and Damian Woody. And, of course, you got, uh, uh, you know, you got LaDamian Thomason carrying the ball. I mean, so this is a good football team. On defense, we were in the top two or three every year, three or four, with Darrell Rivas and company. And I had a, I had kind of had an all-star team. So you know, we had, we had a number of different ways that we could beat you. Now one of the problems that, that teams are, are, are experiencing or are going to experience in the National Football League is that they've eliminated, not eliminated, I shouldn't say it, that's not the right word, but they've certainly diluted a lot of the variables because the way they've, they, they've diluted the kicking game. It's just the reality. But those teams, they were really fun. We had quality guys. They were fun to be around. Rex, I really enjoyed. I talked to him yesterday, and I had a lot of fun with him. He's a good man. Uh, you know, some of his kind of craziness was was really um, – it never manifested itself with the team. Never. Never. We, we had a good, disciplined team. You know, Rex sometimes would throw the crazy things out there, and everybody would be talking about those. And in some ways, believe me, he was deflecting a little bit of that pressure away from the football team and to himself. He didn't care. You know, he loved doing that kind of stuff. So it was a fun, fun team to be a part of, and we were good. This was a good football team that I'm, I was very disappointed that we that it disintegrated. I thought we would find a way to keep it together longer. And then all of a sudden we're changing our philosophy. You know, Now we're going to be the New England Patriots with Tom Brady. You know, We're letting Alan Fanica go, and we're bringing in Plexico Burris. Explain to me why that's a good move. Help me out, because I'm struggling to figure it out. Well, Coach, once again, pleasure to have you here at WGBB Sports Talk New York. Um, along those lines, you mentioned Coach Ryan and, and deflecting and, and just his, his larger-than-life personality. Um, I'm a huge fan, and I hope this doesn't rub you the wrong way as a coach, but I'm a huge fan of, of hard knocks, only because having never been, obviously, in the, in the professional sports arena, um, especially in football, um, it's really intriguing to me and, and to the common person. Can you talk about just briefly how – Hard Knocks was either a positive or a negative to you guys during that training camp because there are some wonderful things we could find about yourself and, and some of the things you did with your your troops during that time. Um, was it a distraction? Was it something you didn't you hardly noticed? Or how did you feel about that? If it's a distraction, if you let that distract you, 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 you should be doing something else. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. Steve Zabel and his father that started NFL Films, and they are incredible journalists, those guys. You know, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're as good as it gets. Yeah. They, they know that business better than anybody knows it. Um, 
And I loved the way he dealt with our football team. The way he came in and he talked to them. He explained how they were going to have things set up. And he made it very clear. He made, I'll never forget he said this to the guys. And me too, all of us. He said, if you want to be on the show, you'll never be on. You'll never be on it. He said, just do your job. Let us, you know, let us capture everything. They would film a thousand hours a week for a one hour presentation. Yeah. That's what those guys did. They worked their tails off. And I loved it. You know, I had a little battery pack that I carried with me 24 hours a day, actually, unless I was taking a shower. Uh, and it recorded anything I said. I didn't care. You know, I was just being me. I, I didn't, the only time that I really was aware of anything is when I was being interviewed or if they would come into one of my meetings to film something. You know, I, I kind of like stories and they would come in and they'd film some of that stuff. I, I, I took it as a, a compliment. Steve Sable came in to me after, before, after they had finished and he told me, uh, and, and actually, uh, he didn't know this, of course, but he told me, he said, I'll never do another hard knocks. He yeah. said, I'll never do another one. He said, I love this. Now, little did anyone know that, that, you know, he would get sick later and not in pass. Yes. Cause he was a great man. Um, and he was telling me about it. He was so nice to me. He actually told me to try to find a little bit of a role in the media because he thought I'd be very good at it. And, uh, and they came down here and they filmed a special thing on me to NFL presents, yes, which sir. is really pretty cool. Um, well, your story, yeah, your story like is unbelievable, Coach. I mean, really, we, yeah, we're looking forward to having you on again and, de- you know, diving a little deeper into that. But, um, you know, certainly when you, a guy like the Sable family who, who really were pioneers for the NFL to say that to you is, is a huge compliment. Um, I, I loved, I thought there was, I thought what they did, I don't think it was a distraction. Yeah, just go, just, you, you know, now I don't, I don't, I think it might bother me if they did it during the season. But to be honest with you, to tell you the truth, I don't even think I'd care then. Because I never knew they were there. They, they were never, they never bothered me. They were just doing what I, I did what I did. And they happened to capture it on film. That's it. Fantastic. That's what they did. And that's what it's all about. So, you know, if you let something like that bother you, uh, you should go find something, do something else. <laughs> you know, Mike, um, special teams, I mean, obviously guys like you know this much better than we do, are one-third of the game just as important as offense or defense and really an under underappreciated part of the game. Now, obviously, we've all known about great special teams players from Bill Bates back with the old Cowboys through Steve Tasker. Yeah. Who were some of the guys that you would mention as being not kickers or return guys, but just regular special teams guys that people might not know their name but that you would give a shout-out to? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back just one split second with what you said, uh, and you were right in one way, but you're you're not correct today. It used to be, it became, it never was at the beginning. It became one third of the game. I, I think I helped to do that. It's not a third today. It's just not. You don't have the plays. You don't have the variables. Don't get me wrong. What you have is very important, but you don't even have close to the number of plays that we used to have. You just very don't have true. them. Because, you know, if the kickoffs are all touchbacks, the way that the punch today is different. So you don't have – I'll give you a number in a minute. But to answer your question, I was fortunate, and, and I wrote a lot about this in the book, uh, to have a methodology of not caring uh, about numbers. I got that actually from Woody Hayes, tell you the truth. You'll worry about it. Um, I just wanted football players. And then what was my role to put them in a position where they could excel. So, you know, I had the great guys like Larry Izzo. That I had down at the, uh, you know, with the with the Dolphins, and then he went to the Patriots, and you know, has several Super Bowl rings. Bernie Parmelee's a young man I had down there. It was that kind of guy, 
real tough kid. I mean, they, we cut him. We, we cut him. I actually brought him back after he was cut. It's an incredible story. I, you couldn't do it today. But back then, you have to read it. I took a chance. When I was with the Jets, I, I had, you know, Chris Hayes was my first guy. I loved him. I loved him. He's just one of my favorite guys. He was like, you know, I, I used to have, I used to have like pet names for them. They were my cheetahs or my sharks or stuff like that. That's what I used to refer to them as. And he was one of my first. He was just that kind of guy. You know, um, Eric Smith was that type of guy. Brad Smith was that. James Ahitabo that played for us with the Jets, he'd knock your head off. And you talk about a tough guy. <laughs> you better know where he was. And he played. Everything was clean and above board and done the right way. But it was extremely physical. I loved that part of the game. And I believe, and I know there are the special teams coaches, they'll, they'll think of what I said was arrogant. They, I don't care. I don't care what they think. Um, we were the most physical special teams unit that ever played. We were the most ever that ever played. Our guys would knock. And, and a lot of it was the way I designed things. Cause if you, you know, if you design it, you can design you know, anything. You, you could back then. You cannot now. It's totally restricted now. But so that's what I really enjoy doing. And then get those kinds of guys. You know, Kenyatta Wright was a linebacker that played for us with the, the Jets. The fact that he didn't go to the Pro Bowl the one year, I, I, it, I'm still trying to figure that one out because he was just such a dominant player and so tough. And we were good. Everything we did was good. Yeah, yeah, sure. We made our share of mistakes, of course. Obviously, that's what that's what the NFL is all about. But no, no, those kind of guys, I loved it, and it's the favorite thing in my life to have taken that kind of guy. Nobody knew, came out of nowhere, gave him a chance, changed his life, and we changed the game. Well, we're joined again by all-time great Coach Mike Westhoff, Mike Wadone, along with Mike Trezor here on WGBP Sports Talk New York. Coach, uh, I encourage everybody to to head over to YouTube when we're done with the show tonight and watch your your quick segment on when you were talking to the the players in the New York Jets about being discouraged about discouragement as as a as a high school coach um, if you don't mind I'm going to steal that when this when this season comes up but I got to tell you you know watching that something popped into my mind of what you've been saying um, over the years as, as a coach uh, you know now as as Players' brands become, you know, so so much a part of them, and their contract right. status and all those things. Um, I know it, it's probably got to be easy to say, like the players have changed throughout the years. But um, that message you were giving those young guys, did you find it more difficult as you were kind of getting later in your career to to relate or to get to the bottom of things with these guys, or was it just you know athletes are athletes and you weed out whoever you you can't coach? That's a, that's a good point. It's a good question. Um, I never really did uh, make much of an adjustment. I really didn't because I believed that I treat everybody as an individual. Everybody's not treated exactly the same. You're just not. You know, you you kind of get you kind of deserve to be treated a certain way. And and so um, for me, the one thing I did, I respected everybody. I just respected them, but I, I didn't acquiesce. Correct. And I sure as hell didn't fear them. <laughs> so I was going to let. See, I used to have a thing that I didn't really care. If I was the most popular guy, I especially didn't care if I wasn't the most popular guy on Thursday. But I wanted to be the most popular guy on Monday because, see, Monday I wanted to sit in that film session and say and talk to you and say, "Hey, Mike, that's a heck of a play. Look at this play." See, now on Thursday, that's not maybe what I was saying on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> on Thursday, I might have been going after you pretty good. That was my goal as a coach, and so for me. It wasn't that hard. 
because I just always saw I respected players. I had tremendous respect. Plus, of that, I think having and I'm sure you you read this because uh, I, I I chronicled I chronicled a lot of it. Having gone through a lot of things physically myself, I I, I know a little bit about what it's like to walk around being a little uncomfortable. Trust me, I get it. Yeah, and that's sure. what the NFL is all about. Because those guys, they're uncomfortable. Because that's a tough sport. They get banged up. It's tough. It's not for everybody. If you don't ever want to get hit, no disrespect. Play another sport. Play soccer or something. <laughs> you know, I think it's great athletically. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not being the least bit critical. Gotcha. But you're not out there knocking the heck out of anybody like we do. That's a different game. I respected that. So therefore. That was always a part of who I was. And I think that's how they, 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 uh, they, they very much appreciate that. And then I could give a speech like that. Or I could, I only gave about a million of them because I truly believe in it. Sure. Um, to do that, to talk about that and, you know, to not get discouraged or whatever. I have, I have hundreds. You bring up a, you bring up a thing. I could probably give you a story to it. Right. I love doing it. So it was something that was fun for me. Mike, I wanted to ask you, I mentioned at the beginning that a lot of people are very excited about the Jets this year. I know you've been out at Jets camp. Uh, so what have you seen? Um, let's start with Coach Sala. What have you seen from year one to year two in his development, and what can you tell us about where he has the Jets headed right now? Okay, but now I don't know him all that well, to be real honest, but just to give you an impression, my first year, I liked a lot of the things that he did. I saw some moves that I liked. Some of the coaches that he put together, or staff, and the way that he seemed to be conducting the game. I, I thought he was doing a pretty good job of that. Now, I don't study it like I used to, but but I have a pretty good feel for it. I also sort of thought that I'd like to see him be a little bit more Freeman on the field, but I wanted to see a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's just the way I felt. Uh, when I talked to him and I met him and talked to him a couple weeks ago, I was very impressed. I mean, he, he gets it. He's a good man. He, he really, I, I very much enjoyed my conversation with him. And I watched a practice that I was very impressed with. Now, again, it's just it was a beginning practice. It was early. You know, am I putting him in the playoffs? Or I, no, I, I don't know enough. But that practice was a good NFL practice. It was sharp. A lot of people on that field demonstrated if they knew what the heck they were doing, they really did. Now I've been, a, you know, I only coached in 657 games, so I've been in a few practices. Newbie, I have a pretty, yeah, I have a, I have a pretty good feel for it. It was a good NFL practice. His team looked in pretty good shape. I didn't see a lot of heavy guys. I like a little bit of a smaller, faster team. I like that. That's just me. That's who I am. Uh, and so I was impressed with that. I like that. I firmly believe. I like some of the moves they've made. I think they've done a nice job in the offseason. Their drafts have, have been have pretty good-looking to me. Um, I believe this, and I'll tell you where I get it from. A couple of years ago, maybe it was three four years ago, I was watching them play on TV one time after I'd finished coaching with the Saints. I had finished, and I was watching them play, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure I see five guys on this screen that could have played for our good teams. Wow. I'm not sure. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way now. I don't feel that way. I see some good football players on that field. And I think, this is just me, and I'm not going too overboard, but I think this is the best prepared that I've seen them ready to enter a season, barring injury, of course, in the last 10 years. 
That's how I feel. That's a very strong statement, and and Jet fans should be very excited about hearing that from you, Coach. Um, no, it's just no. Go ahead. I'm well, sorry. You know, it's just it, it's not like I'm, I'm predicting illusions of grandeur. I'm not sure. But and they, and they've got to weather a very very difficult storm right off the bat. Yeah, tough that, you know that that beginning of that schedule is treacherous. You know, that's pretty tough. Yeah, thanks a lot, Roger. But um, <laughs> it's it's just you know I think if they can hang in and stay healthy. This football team's got a chance to win some games and, and get on the winning side of it and fight to get in the playoffs. I kind of see that. What it, whether it will go that way, I'm not sure. I also think, you know, you've, you've got a quarterback that's going to come into his second year. How's he going to develop? But keeping in mind with that, how's his coordinator that was in a first year last year, and now he's moving into his second year. How's he going to progress? I think – I, I think it could be could be some good solid things. I'm hoping. I'm really rooting for it because I like them. I like what they've done. I, I like the way they practiced. I, I was. In, I've been impressed. When I went there to visit, um, I, I was. I was enamored. Now I, I don't want. I'll, 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 I'm going to say it, and I'll just catch up with it. Uh, a few weeks before that, I was down at Miami. Now they've got they've got a good looking football team. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't feel the same coming out of that practice of what I saw on the field, just the way it was, way it was moving, as what I saw at the Jets. Now, does that mean Miami's not as good as the Jets? No, I'm not saying that. I don't know that. I can't. I can't say that. But I liked what I saw at the Jets. Put it that way. I saw a well-organized practice. I didn't see penalties. I saw one fumbled exchange. But mm-hmm. I watched the defense moving all around, making adjustments, and people were moving quickly. And they were, they were practicing like not only that they kind of knew what they were doing, but they were excited doing it. Now, I know, don't, you know, I'm, I'm painting a pretty, but again, I'm only painting a little tiny part of this picture. I'm not painting the whole picture. You don't do that till you put pads on. Exactly. And you watch them practice. I'd love to go watch them practice against the Giants. Now I can tell you what I think they're going to be. I, I could do that. So, um, Coach, you I'm sorry, go ahead. I think. If it were me, I'd be I'd be a little bit excited if I were a Jets fan. I'd be a little bit excited. I and I am personally, so that's how I feel. That that's fantastic. You you know you, you kind of led into my next question here quickly about the quarterback. Um, do, do you feel you know obviously a lot of hype second years. He's a younger player in, in age and you know and experience. Um, you see the the right stuff in him to to really justify his draft position and and the leader that they're hoping he's going to be this early in his career. Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of do. I, I do a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He's um. I, I sat right next to him actually by a press conference and talked to him. Actually, I I told him two things that that Dan Marino did during his practices that I think made him Dan Marino. And I don't know. I, I I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure he totally absorbed them to tell you the truth. <laughs> I wish he did because Dan Marino was pretty good. In case yeah. anybody forgets. Uh, but anyway, I, I actually told him what he did in practice and how he did it, which no one else ever did that I've been around. And I've been around pretty good quarterbacks because I was with Dan most of his career. Yes, sir. And then went up to the Jets when they had Vinny and, and Chad came along. Oh, and then we had a guy named Brett Favre that wasn't too bad. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, I went, then I went down to New Orleans with Drew Brees. So I think I know what a quarterback's supposed to look like. And what a quarterback is not supposed to look like. And we'll talk about that when we talk about your book the next time we have you on. The book is okay. called Figure It Out, My 32-Year Journey While Revolutionizing Pro Football Special Teams by Coach Mike Westoff. Mike, we want to thank you so much for being our guest here on Sports Talk New York. 
Uh, my book just arrived yesterday. I'm going to read it cover to cover. I'm going to make Mike Gadon read it because, you oh, know, I already, sometimes... I already got a head start on that, Coach. Um, and we're going to have you on in a few weeks, and we're going to dive into chapter and verse of the book. Yeah, no, please, please do. I, I really appreciate you doing it. You can pick it up anywhere. You can get it through the publisher, Mascot, or, or Barnes & Noble, or, or Amazon. And um, I'm extremely proud of it. I like the way we did it, and I think people will enjoy it. So thank you very much. We thank you again, Coach Mike Westhoff. Okay, guys. I'm anxious. I'll be looking forward to come back with you. Oh, All right. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Thanks a pleasure. Again. Thank you so much, Coach. All right. We've got just a few minutes before we get to break, so we're going to squeeze in a couple calls if we can. 516-623-1240 is the phone number while we're waiting to pop up a couple calls, Mike. What do you think? Um, you know, I mean, we haven't talked about the Giants at all. What are the big stories coming out of Giant Camp this year? Well, Mike, before we hit that, I just, I'd like to just double back for one second. I got a great text from, from one of the top Long Island football coaches, Mike Spina who I've known for many, many years, uh, Long Island Championship coach uh, at Floral Park, now now a coach uh, over in Massapequa. And what he had mentioned was he, he was he was trying to get through while Coach Westhoff was on, but he was saying that how the importance of special teams were to his teams, the Long Island football, um, and how the, the rule changes have really – you know, hurt the game on the NFL level. It's a little different, you know, high school wise, but how it's so important. And it's, I, I thought it was fascinating that, that Coach Westhoff basically was talking about his own profession, about how the game really was, you know, one third special teams. And now they've taken that away, you know, for, obviously for safety reasons and whatever else. But, um, to hear a guy who made his bones as a, as a, as a special teams coach, kind of not downplay how it is right now, but you know the changes and how the game uh, has has evolved, devolved. I thought that was great, and and you know, Coach Spina, again, I appreciate you checking in via text, and and uh, as Mike said, you know, five one six six two three twelve forty. If anybody would like to chime in, the rest of the hour that we have with you. Yeah, so we got a couple minutes before we have to step out, Mike. So um, as I mentioned to you, yes. uh, what are the, some of the big stories coming out of Giants camp? It's been it's been kind of quiet, really, compared to the Jets camp. It has. You know, today, uh, there, I was doing a little reading before we came on the air. A uh, lot, of, lot of press out at Giant Camp today. And the name that kept coming up was Saquon Barkley, about he, how he is really looking. And, and this is, again, not just from the coaching staff of the New York Giants, but, you know, people in the know who were there and, and people who were just, you know, Press guys who were just taking a look that he is explosive. You know, it's year two now coming back off the ACL. He's running north and south because in today's practice, apparently what they worked on were goal line situations. He, he carried a full load. They didn't, they didn't hold him back. And then he's looking really, really impressive. Now that can only help the other storyline, which is so important to the New York Giants, which is Daniel Jones, you know, because is he going to merit, uh, Coming back next year, extension, Saquon, same thing, ending up. So you got a lot of, I know you're making a face about Daniel Jones, but, um, it, I can't imagine how difficult it's got to be for him with a new coaching staff coming in and he has to reprove himself, um, with new coordinator, new, you know, new head coach, but they admitted, you know, they did not handle him well. So I'm excited as a Giant fan to hear that Saquon is, is, is looking great, can only take a little pressure off Daniel Jones, but better that than, you know what, 
oh, Saquon's on the side and they're, they're limiting his reps and all that stuff. Yeah, well, you know, listen, I mean, a lot of Daniel Jones' success this year, Mike clearly is going to be impacted by Saquon's ability to stay healthy, stay on the field, and also, um, you know, Kenny Galladay and um, oh. Kadarius Tony were two guys that at various points you and I were up on or down oh. on last year. Boy, when, um, when we, when we first started this show, <laughs> right? I was, man, I'll, I'll tell you, I was so excited about Kenny Galladay. I would have bet the farm that he was going to be a, a major player. And then week one, week one, when he is, you know, complaining about not getting the ball, oh, I'm like, oh, and I remember we came on, and this is, you know, 16 months ago, but, uh, but yeah, it, listen, nowhere to go but up, uh, with those guys and, uh, you know, the, the defense, we'll, we'll get into it another time. We're going to take a quick break, folks. We're going to be back in just a couple minutes with more talk here on Sports Talk and why we'll talk some hockey right after this. You're listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Sports Talk New York. Mike Trezor on hand along with the coach, Mike Gadone, for another half hour. 516-623-1240. Brian Graves helping us out tonight, doing a great job. And we're going to talk some hockey now, Mike. It's about 100 degrees out, so nothing like some ice hockey when it's uh, when it's this type of weather out here. And to do that... It makes you feel chilly, though. That's all right. ...is our original. He created the role of uh, beat reporter yes, on our Spot on Sports podcast. We call him Johnny Sticks. You can call him John Santa Maria. He joins us now. Hello there. Happy summer. Yes, and remember two summers ago at the summer, we're playing August hockey. That's right. Welcome, John. Good to have you back on. Hey, you know, uh, wanted to ask you, we had the draft, we had free agency, and uh, a couple things we read, that the Islander, Islander draft uh, class ranked pretty low, haven't done much in the uh, free agent market. So uh, what are your thoughts do we are we excited about the Islanders or, or what? You know, it, it was a, not a great end to the season. We had a coaching change. Um, where do what do we feel just in general about the team? Well, let's start with the addition of Romanov to defense. I think that makes the unit a lot better. So first off, he's twenty two years old. I think that was worth giving up a first round draft pick for a guy who's going to contribute now. The thing is, there's still a lot of uncertainty because the rumors are out there that Kadri is going to sign with the Islanders, pending some. Cap movements, what could that be? Could that mean Josh Bailey's on the way out? Could that mean uh, Simeon Varlamov is on the way out? You also have to sign Dobson and Romanoff and Kiefer Bellows to contract. So there's still some moving parts. So until we get the official 
official word from Lamoureux's desk that things are done, I think that's when we be able to answer those things a little bit better until everything is written and done, and he doesn't do that until it's all done. Hey, John, are you getting the sense from Islander fans that they're getting a little either impatient or frustrated with what they might perceive as a lack of activity or aggressiveness on the part of the Islanders this offseason? Well, I think a lot of it is they just like the they don't like the nobody likes the fact that it's uh, it's quiet over there at Floor Park with the Islander office headquarters where they're based out of. So, but that's how he op- that's how they operate. There's really not too much else to be said with, but I think. They were a little disappointed. Everybody was disappointed that uh, Johnny Gaudreau ended up in Columbus and not here. Sure. Rightfully so. Good hockey player. But he chose that. The Islanders made their offer. He chose another opportunity. But if they do get Kadri, maybe people will be happy. But if it comes with the result of maybe trading a favorite player, who knows. Again, let's wait until everything's signed to pen and paper as they like to operate. John, you know, uh, along... With the impatience, uh, or impatience, we should say, of the, of the fan base, um, major change in the head coach of Barry Trotz. You know, when, when you make that kind of change w- with a, with a popular coach who'd done tremendous things and, um, replace him, not with somebody completely different, but his right hand man, and then you don't make many changes, um, you know, again, it's in Louis Trust, but, um, I, I would say that's another example of, of maybe the fan base being a little nervous at this time of year. I think you just don't know, but then again, if they put a different system in place, focus more on the offense and keep the structure that they had defensively, but maybe asking guys to do some different things. Sometimes a group, we've seen it a few times, whether it's an interim coach in the middle of the year in a number of sports, sometimes you're a new voice, new philosophy of things. I mean, different sport, but look at, look at the run the Philadelphia Phillies have been on the last two months. Sure. Just by simply Shipping out Joe Girardi. Yeah, different voice. Long-time bench coach, a different voice. Sometimes just a different attitude, different approach, and Phillies are right there for the playoffs. So maybe that's what their hope is, just a little bit of some different things. All right, John. So listen, as uh, the off season starts to heat up, we're going to have you back on in a couple weeks. Thank you for a couple minutes uh, this evening and also – Thank you for getting us hooked up with the good folks here at WGBB. We appreciate it. Yes, well done. And let's hope uh, I have a little bit more to say next time. Let's uh, let's uh, hope Lou Lamarillo gives us more to say. Yeah, all right. All right. Thanks, thanks John. We'll talk appreciate you it, buddy. All right. 516-623-1240. Now's your chance to get in. We're going to get Chris Caputo on the Mets in just a couple minutes. But for a couple minutes, we're going to take your calls. So what do you want to dive into next, Mike? You want to go, uh, you want to go Yanks or you want to save that or how, how you want to work it? Well, we should, we should be hearing very shortly from, from our Mets beat reporter, Chris Capuo. He, he's, should be on the line in just a moment. Um, you know, you and I were talking about the Yanks walking in. I don't want to go too crazy with that because that was a sore subject, but very interesting trade deadline moves around Major League Baseball. Um, Probably the largest trade. I'll do, you know, we're not going to delve into that because it's out of market. But just the you know Juan Soto being dealt, um, largest number of players going back and forth. Um, Yanks. Um, I was shocked they traded Montgomery. It kind of came back to bite them. Obviously, in the short term, you know, he was pumped up. He's he's the type of type of guy that they can give them trouble. Um, but uh, you know, definitely in Mets land, we're excited having taken four out of five. Yeah, you know, with the Soto thing, it's funny because before that, 
we were thinking there were three National League teams, two American League teams that can make the World Series, right? I mean, you, you're talking about Yanks, Houston, Mets, Dodgers, Braves. But now, Mike, with the Soto acquisition, you probably have to put San Diego in that mix as well. Ugh. But here to talk some Mets <laughs> baseball with us right now is our intrepid Mets reporter. He is a member of the Seven Line Army. He is the man we call Cappy, Chris Caputo. Fellas, how we doing? Good. What's going on, Cap? It's a good day oh. in Metland, Cap, isn't it? It is great. I mean, uh, 31 games over 500, and, uh, you know, things seem to be clicking on all cylinders. Well, you know, we had, you and I spoke earlier in the week about what, what would be, you know, uh, a minimum that we'd be looking for in this five game series with the Braves. And, you know, to, to think four out of five would be, you know, tremendous. Five out of five is really, you're asking for a lot. Um, game one, super, super important as, as Buck Showalter managed the game. Game two, a little bit of a turkey at the beginning. Um, but they fought back. But three, four, and five when you have, uh, Scherzer and DeGrom back to back. And, um, could you have asked for anything more really coming out of this weekend? No, I mean, you could have even won that game um, that they lost if they didn't give up eight runs in the first two innings in, in the second game. But, you know, when I always look at, uh, like, playoff series, even for me, um, I, I think game three is always the most pivotal. And for the Mets to, to pull that game out, um, you know, up big and then hold on, uh, that, 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 that just set the tone because you had David Peterson on the mound throwing pretty well, and then you know you have Scherzer and DeGrom. And... Um, to be honest with you, when you have Scherzer in the ground, I don't care who you're playing in the postseason, you have a shot to win that series. doesn't matter which team you're playing, whether it be the Dodgers, Astros, whatever it might be. And uh, to take four to five is huge. Um, and we know what's even greater is just look at the mid schedule for um, for the month of August. And, you know, they're going to be hitting up the, the Dodgers. They're going to be hitting up the, the Braves again in about a week and, uh, and the Phillies a couple of times. Oh, I, I just took a deep breath after the series, and then you had to bring up the Braves and the Dodgers. My goodness. But that that's all right. So, again, uh, Mike Trezza, Mike Wadone here at WGBB Sports Talk New York. Um, Trez, I know you had a question for, for Chris. Yeah, Chris, I wanted you just to unpack um, and go through the different deadline deal acquisitions that the Mets made um, and just give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the early returns on each one for the Metropolitans. Yep. Um, I mean, if you want to start with, with the lefty-righty hitting combo, uh, good good pickup. Um, Vogelbach and, and Ruff, I think, are good. I, I wanted J.B. Davis out the door before the season started. Um, I wasn't happy that they had to give up a couple of extra prospects in that deal. Um, I felt like maybe they could have just done one prospect, but um, you're going to have to get uh, an experienced guy, Ruff, at 36 years old, you know, by giving up a couple of extra. I really just thought the, you know, when it came down to it, the Mets needed bullpen help. And, yeah, they got themselves this guy Givens from from the Cubs. But they needed a guy like Chafin from uh, from the Tigers to get another lefty in the bullpen. You can't go the whole season with um, with just the one, you know, Joely Rodriguez. And, and I, I think their bullpen is definitely hurting. They keep throwing guys out there like Lopez. And, you know, I just think eventually that's going to catch up to them. Now, if you listen to the, the GM, he's going to say Tyler McGill is going to come back and he'll be pitching out of the bullpen. And Peterson eventually can be a lefty out of the bullpen. But I just feel that they didn't address that and they were trying to hold on to some prospects. Now, is that going to hurt them in the end? I don't know. 
Um, but I really felt that they could have done a little bit more. But again, I think maybe some teams were holding the Mets at a higher standard, maybe trying to get a couple more prospects than maybe they would out of uh, another team. And I don't know if there's a specific guy that the Mets would have gone after, but um, I really think they could have bolstered the bullpen a little bit more. Chris Caputo joining us here on Sports Talk New York. And, uh, Cap, I think you bring up a great point with uh, other teams holding the Mets to a little higher standard. You know, I was going to bring up McGill uh, because there was, you know, an article in Newsday today about him and how he, you know, of course he said the right things that he's going to feel comfortable coming out of the pen. Um, it's almost as if uh, the Mets addressed the hitting. They were very happy with, you know, getting a guy like Givens, but you said they didn't address the left-handed side. But it was almost uh, as if I think the feeling was, you know what, uh, if DeGrom comes back and like he has 12 strikeouts today, five and two-thirds, you know, gives up a, a home run on his last uh, pitch. But, you know, that's that's going to be enough in the shorter series to push them through. Um, I would agree with you, though, that I think that it is a concern that, that there's no left-hander. Um, but, you know, w- with with DeGrom, um, he didn't, they didn't stretch him out the other night. Watching him pitch today, uh, did you see anything that – uh, you were concerned with, or you thought it maybe he should have gone another inning, or or was it best case, uh, Jacob Degrom? Yeah, you know, I watched a little bit of it. I was kind of watching on the side, um, but um, I think with Degrom at this point, they're just trying to stretch him out more and more every game. And you got to remember that he didn't really give up a hit. He gave up the one hit at the end, twelve strikeouts. He's dominant. Oh, he's unbelievable. So, um, you know, I think every everything for him has been positive, um, and, and I think. Unfortunately, I think the way the Mets think is, hey, we're getting DeGrom back at the, at the trade deadline. Like, that's their pickup. You know, that was, that was like a, a signing for them. I don't like when they, when they think that way because I get worried, honestly, that these guys are going to falter and, and so, somebody's going to get injured. Sure. And if one of those two, Scherzer or DeGrom gets injured, things change. So I, that's why I thought maybe they could have done a little bit more. Um, maybe they could have bolstered and got themselves one more big bat. I think they need one more guy to help Pete in the lineup, but the guy's got 95 RBIs. He's been outstanding, and Lindor's been hitting 400 the last couple of weeks. So um, are they going to click like this the rest of the season? Probably not, but now this is like an August series that you'd like to see in September. So the Mets have to take care of business now so that when we get to September, there's no collapse. So I want to ask you real quick, Chris. Uh, Braves came in here hungry uh, within striking distance of you guys. You guys gave them the back of your hand four out of five games. Is this division race over or are you still concerned about the Braves always concerned um <laughs> Braves are good um you know the Mets, I wanted Mets you to give me an there. over Chris I could come back <laughs> no, and stick not. it to you later on no come on. I'm not Salicata come on this is uh ridiculous these these guys call you got to remember the Mets were up seven with 17 to go years ago I'm oh. not gonna forget that stuff oh come on now um it's it's a different team, but you also you got to remember they're going down to Atlanta to play four games. You can go, you lose three out of four, four out of four. You know you get yourself in a in a bad rut at some point. Yeah, you're at six and a half games, but that could very quickly get to three. You finish the end of the season, you're up three. You never know what's going to happen. Here's the big thing. Now we don't talk about it too much here, but the playoff series has changed this year. Okay, you get to by winning your division, you get to avoid. Teams like the Dodgers and the Padres and, you know, all the big teams by winning your division. You finish in that wild card, you're going to have to play a three-game series and possibly play a really tough team. So it, the games in September matter as same as, much in, as they do in August. So the, this, it's not over. The Braves are good. 
Um, and the Mets have a tough stretch where they're going to have to – I mean, look at the Dodgers. The Dodgers don't lose. They've been killing teams, beating the Padres. So, yes, if they get through the month of August and they're still six and a half, I'm going to feel good. But I do see, you know, there's always a chance to falter, maybe not timely hitting, and I could be worried. Hey, Cap, next time we have you on, I'm going to have Brian do the thing with the trumpets that they do when Edwin Diaz comes in. Uh, so, you know, we need you, you need your own theme music. You need some fanfare when you come on, Cap. Okay. I got, <laughs> oh, I got yeah. some trumpet. I got some trumpet music. We could play, uh, you know, um, any type of New York music. No, no, listen, I got the perfect song, The Warrior by Scandal. There you go. There you go. That was, that was uh, our, when, when, not to bore the audience, but when, when young Chris Caputo was playing basketball for me, the coach, that was our team theme song, and boy, did we ever get jacked up for that. And that's going to be Chris Caputo, because he is a warrior, coming on on 10 to 9 on a, a 10 to 10, I'm sorry, on a Sunday night when he could be doing a thousand other things, but, but giving us all the Mets info. Cappy, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to have you and, and let's think positive going forth here, brother. Yeah, I mean, I know the Yankees are having a tough spot, a oh. tough spot, but, and it's, it's tough to go to that, but, you know, you got to take the tough, t- good times when they are and enjoy them. Um, it's, you know, it's not over, but, uh, you know, as much as I like the trumpets, I love to hear New York groove, just like the Yankee fans like to hear New York, New York. All right. Get a couple more W's. Mets are are at home for a couple more, so let's let's beat up on these Reds now. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks, Cap. Thanks. Okay, guys. Nice show. Thanks, Cap. 516-623-1240. Now's your chance to get on now that the line is free. And in the meantime, Mike and I are going to talk some Yanks. So, Trez, I know you being our, our resident Yankee guy, I mean, they still have a large cushion. I know they've lost five in a row. They have a lot single digits now. Okay, you know, not not something you want to be doing coming off the trade deadline because, of course, you want to have some momentum and feel good about that. Um, the trade for for Harrison Bader, the the outfielder, you know, supposedly the best glove in in all of baseball. He's on the DL. He's not going to be ready to come back until September. Brian Cashman even admitted that that was a September October move. Um, Something you you were, did you have a feeling at the time that it was like, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll stockpile him? Or, you know, were you like scratching your head going, what are we doing here? Well, obviously, let's start with the obvious. They had to get rid of Gallo. That yeah. surprised absolutely nobody. Um, I was very surprised, as you mentioned you were earlier in the show, Mike, that they moved on uh, from Montgomery. Montgomery. Okay. Now, they had really nurtured Montgomery for a number of seasons, and to just pull the plug on him at the deadline for a guy like Bader, who seems like, as you mentioned, number one, he's not going to be around till September. Number two, I mean, what is his role really going to be on this team? Number one, I mean, are you a late-inning defensive replacement? You're not going to start. Are you a pinch runner? I mean, we have that guy already. His name is Tim LaCastro. I mean, what are you, a better Tim LaCastro? I mean, is that what we're really trying to accomplish here? So to me, to give up on Montgomery was odd. Obviously, they had their sights uh, set on Montas. Um, he pitched today. The early return on him, not so good, Mike. Yeah. But, I mean, again, we want to see him more than one outing, but um, I, I thought it was odd that they that they canned Montgomery like they did. Yeah, the word was, you know, that they brought in Montes as, as you mentioned, um, you know, to fill his spot in the rotation, obviously. But um, I, I think 
you know, we've we've watched New York baseball long. We we don't want to say how old we are, but we we've watched enough New York baseball. Don't you think that as New York fans, New York teams, that there are certain personalities that thrive in New York, certain personalities that, like you say, need to be nurtured and, and come along, and then you got wild cards who come in. Who knows if Montas? Is going to be able to handle New York a pennant race? I'm all I'm more about the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, and that's why I was shocked that they gave up Montgomery and said, okay, well we're going to replace him with someone, you know, who's a solid pitcher but unproven in this market. Yeah, but what this shows you, Mike, is they really don't trust Nestor yeah. or um, Tyon in the way that they're telling you they do. True. And if you want to really look under the rug a little bit, what this tells me as a Yankee fan, they don't trust Cole. Yeah. They can stand there and tell me they trust Cole, and they don't. Uh, when you look at Cole, you look at that Wednesday afternoon game, right? You're trying to take two, two out of three from the Mariners. Now, the Mariners have one really top offensive player, and he wasn't in the lineup. And now you have Cole going out there, and... He's matched up against the pitcher that everybody wanted at the trade deadline that Seattle ended up with. And what happens to Cole? He gets slapped around the park in the first inning for six runs. I mean, Mike, that's not happening to Scherzer. No. That's not happening to DeGrom. So this is telling you, a Yankee fan, not only do they not think that um, – that Nestor and Tyon are going to match up well against another team's number two and number three starter in the postseason. They're concerned about game number one. If that's DeGrom, if that's Scherzer, you're putting that game number one in the bank. So the fact that they felt the need to get rid of Montgomery and bring in Montas as an upgrade tells you how concerned they are about that rotation. Yeah, someone sent me the, his uh, Gary Cole's stat line that day. And you know what my first question was? What's his excuse going to be? Yeah. Not like, oh, it's an off game, whatever else. Because when things are going well, he's he's unbeatable. That's you, that's the game your ace needs to at least come in and keep you in the game, not not give up six runs in the first inning. Six runs, and as you mentioned, against the pitcher that everybody wanted and that Seattle was able to get. And and you know that there was no way that that kid was giving up six. No. Uh, runs that whole game. So, I mean, basically, that game was, was a letdown. So, you know, you look at the Yanks over the last 30 games, Mike. They're, they're 12 and 18. Okay. And so you can say, well, did they take their foot off the gas a little bit? Or what exactly happened? But what this shows to me is that, um, number one, it shows just how important Stanton is to that lineup, right? Because without Stanton, you really don't have the protection for Judge, and now Rizzo is out, right. so you really have no protection uh, around Judge. Some of these secondary guys, um, all right, DJ has started to pick it up. He's getting close to his customary 280, 285, but Donaldson has been dead weight. Yeah. Hicks has been dead weight. I mean, these guys who are supposed to be not the top guys in the lineup, but the middle of the lineup guys, They've been a bust, Mike, and when Judge is not doing it and Stanton's not there and Rizzo's not there, they've been exposed over the last 30 games. And I think it's safe to say the Yankees are really offensively are built around the home run. Absolutely. They're built around the Now, isn't that a little, I mean, of course, you are what you are, but if you're looking at the trade deadline to maybe add some pieces, we know this, you know, September, 
October baseball, if all of a sudden if you go a little dry in the home runs, what happens to your team? You could you can win 120 games, but if you can't manufacture runs and, and you go dry, like does that concern you a little bit? Yeah, well, you know, I think one of the things that was crucial for them to do at the deadline was to rebuild that bullpen because I talked to Chris about it. You and I talked to Chris about it the last show. Um, the bullpen had gotten very thin, so they went out and got Efros from the Cubs. They went out and got Trevino. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit deeper now, but right. Efros had a tough outing today. Um, so you can say that all of these deadline acquisitions, the early returns are in, and <laughs> none of the early returns is good, Mike. Even Ben Attendee, you can see now. Now, it's been a short sample size for sure, but you can see now why the Red Sox uh, a year ago were willing to give up on Ben Attendee and yeah. why another team after that was willing to deal him. Uh, and so, you know, when you look at um, Efros, Trevino, um, Ben Attendee, and also, um, who was the other guy that they got at the trading deadline? Oh boy, you're asking you're asking a Met fan to remember um, that, but but I, I know where you're going in terms of saying just there's not and you know what that's oh Bader to, who's hurt I was going to say yeah, September, but that that speaks to the fact that there's nobody who has stood out to you go wow that's a great pickup yeah I off mean, the bat that's probably you know that lends itself to why you're five games on the snide here rather than than five games or even you know three and two two and three but I, I'm going to play devil's advocate I'm going to say you know what there. They're just too good to stay in this rut, um, and and they'll find their way out. He said, you know, single digit lead, but um, I, I'm I'm not all that concerned. But I'm more concerned about how they're built for the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you ha- you need a really deep bullpen. As I said, they've gotten a little bit deeper, but they're not where they should be. Chapman is a bit of a wild card. Sometimes he's pitching the fifth inning. Now he's pitching the eighth inning. Wild is right. And the thing with Holmes has really hit them hard, Mike. I tried to brush it off the last show and say, oh, it was a couple bad outings. But I'll tell you, Holmes has been consistently bad for five or six outings now. And... The Yanks can say whatever they want. They're worried about Holmes. Um, what are you going to do for a closer when you get in the postseason? Um, and who knows if it's he's lost his confidence, he's been overworked, or he's starting to feel the strain of, as you mentioned earlier, um, being in this big spotlight we call New York. Absolutely. So I think that is going to do it for us. Tonight here on Sports Talk New York. We had a full show here, Mike, led off by the great I, I can't stop talking about Mike Westhoff. What a what a great guy to join us and I can't wait to have him on again. Absolutely. We're gonna read the book. We're gonna have Mike back. But in the meantime, we want to thank Mike Westhoff for being our guest. We want to thank Johnny Sticks, John Santa Maria, for um hopping on with us. We want to thank Cap, Chris Caputo for hopping on with us. Our engineer is Brian Graves. Terrific job out of him. The executive producer of Sports Talk New York is Rob Kowal. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can also check us out at WGBSportsTalk.com. For Mike Adone, this is Mike Trezza thanking you for listening and saying we will see you next time on Sports Talk New York. expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.